Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, August 25th, 2019 called, Can I Get a Witness? given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we just said this, right? We just said this. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Christ Church, in the communion of saints. And I've had people over the years ask me what that means. I, maybe some of you have been saying that a long time ago. I don't know what it means. I'm saying it anyway. The rest of these guys are. You know, with the communion of saints, does that mean, oh goodness, does that mean everybody's taking communion at the same time? Uh, does it, what does that mean? And we talked about it about two weeks ago in talking about the Lord's Supper and how in Holy Communion, uh, all those who have placed their trust in Christ are gathered together at the heavenly banquet table and someday we will all be joined off the timeline, off the timeline. But what a blessing it is that when we come to the Lord's table, we really kind of step off the timeline even then, and we are part of the communion of saints, the union of believers, the union of those who confess Christ, who have been declared righteous by Christ, not through our own goodness, but because of his goodness. So we rejoiced in that. I hope you did a couple of weeks ago with Lord's Supper. What a blessing the Lord's Supper is for that. But we're going to talk about that again today, because when the author of Hebrews says the great cloud of witnesses... That's what that is, the communion of saints, the great cloud of witnesses. I had Nan uh, come up to me after the first service. She said, you should have talked about the cloud. How, you know, everything's in the cloud now, you know, and, every, and you can pull information out of the cloud. And you can, I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. But it's a little better than that. So, um, but we have a great cloud of witnesses, the communion of saints. Okay, now we can go on. Thanks, Melissa, for letting me throw you that curveball. Um, but I had an interesting experience yesterday. I really want to share it with you. I ha- we had our first, uh, what I would call, co- uh, convert and member made completely through social media. Uh, it's really a fascinating story. I baptized a, a gal yesterday who has a connection into this church, has a friend or two, but she lives like in the middle of nowhere. And so she got connected to our, our sermons online, YouTube channel, and then became more interested, wanted to know more. We clued her into the all of my Life in Christ classes, you know, or online. So she's watching all those, emailing me all the time. We're long conversations. She came down a couple times just to go through, process through, see us face to face. And uh, yesterday, made the drive down. She lives outside of Manan, out somewhere. Um, I don't know if Google can find her. Um, but she came down, we baptized her, confirmed her, gave her first communion. Uh, isn't that interesting? Now, I would say, I'm going to tell you that that's part of the great cloud of witnesses. Out of the cloud. <laughs> witnesses. Witness was given to her of God's presence, of God's promise. Sometimes the crowd is one. And in our case, the one who leads the cloud of witnesses is the key witness. And I put on here in my introduction 
to this. So this is this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and forgive me, I'm going to cheat and call it a crowd of witnesses, right? A great big crowd of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set out before us. Run with perseverance. So there are some wonderful key things in here. Last week, so we're doing three weeks to really kind of immerse you into our theme. Our theme is 2020 vision, right? We're graduating the class of 2020, and we have, um, and, and we're, call, and we're uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus, right? So the next verse after that one is, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So last week we talked about, at the beginning of the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, hey, God's spoken to his people in lots of different ways in the past. But in these last days, he has spoken to us really most clearly in Jesus Christ, in his son. So that's what I want to say. That's how it comes into focus. It comes into focus in Jesus. And now we're jumping to this chapter, chapter 12. And chapter 12 follows right on the heels of that lengthy chapter 11, which is the Hall of Fame of Faith. Right? Abraham and Noah and Rahab and all these people that are faithful people that God declared righteous, not because they did anything spectacular. They simply believed and God credited it to them, put it in there as a credit crowned to them as righteousness. And so Paul then began, not Paul, the author of, of Hebrews says, therefore, since we have this whole hall of fame of faith, all these witnesses and all the countless others, it's why I included that revelation passage again. I, and Lee, you did a beautiful job. Yeah, thank you for, I love that. It just, it just crescendos. You know, there's these voices, and then more voices are added, and more voices, and thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000, and every one of them bore witness to the same Jesus who, listen carefully, who bore witness for them. This is the key. He bore witness for them. So, there are three key things in this, in this really one verse that I want to share with you, and I'm, I'm, I'm eager, I'm excited to share this with you. So on the one hand, we have a cloud of witnesses. The second part that we have is there's some, there's some sin and some weight and some past and some history that's hanging on, right? He says, let us throw off the dead weight, right? And the stuff that trips us up. And then the third one, um, the third one is, and then let us persevere, so those are three things. Now, let me, let me be very Lutheran with you for just a moment. Lutherans love law and gospel and how they, they teach one to the other, right? So the law shows us our sin, right? And the gospel shows us our Savior. Got that? SOS. The law shows us our sin and the gospel shows us our Savior. Those three terms are going to do both things today. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example one of my favorite, uh, and I've used this before, so forgive me for repeating myself. It's a mini parable in Matthew. I think it's Matthew 13. It's a mini parable, one verse. There was a man who was plowing a field, and in his plowing the field came across a treasure. Do you remember this one? Came across a treasure, and in his joy went and sold everything he had so that he could purchase that field and thereby obtain the treasure. Well, what does Jesus mean by this? What's the interpretation? What's the treasure? Who's the guy? What's going on? Well, St. Augustine 
And many of our evangelical friends, you know, other Protestants, will interpret it this way, along with St. Augustine. Well, the treasure is obviously Jesus and salvation, right? And so, obviously. And so if you're a long plow in the field and you come across that treasure, you should sacrifice everything so that you could obtain that treasure. That's been a very traditional way of interpreting that for many, many years. And it's not wrong. But we would call that a law interpretation because you're giving up everything so that you can obtain it. Are you sure you gave up everything? Are you sure? But Luther comes along and he sees that verse and he says, you know what, I think that's wrong. And he rarely disagreed with St. Augustine. And he says, I think Jesus is the one plowing the field. And he comes across the treasure and the treasure is you. And Jesus gave up everything on the cross that he might possibly obtain you. Now that's good news. That's good news. So we're going to do the same thing with this one. Witnesses, right? So great cloud of witnesses. And then the, uh, the second one is about dead weight. And the third one is about uh, being patient or persevering. Okay. So I don't know about you, but I, I, well, I grew up in New York City. I was always around crowds. It seemed like there were crowds everywhere. Uh, all the time. And so I seem to, and I'm a person who likes being around people. I'm energized by being with people and so forth. But boy, I was struggling at times to find places of solitude. Uh, How could I get away? How could I get away? Um, I actually built tree houses. You will say that sounds bizarre. I built tree houses because I live next to a golf course. So I was the weird, crazy dude building tree houses in the middle of fairways on trees and the parks department people would chase after me with saws and hammers and trace me away but i was trying to make a little fortress of solitude where you could just get away from things i wanted to be away because there were just too many eyes there were just too many people who could always see you always keep tabs on you always know what's going on and if i'm going to be honest sometimes i wanted to get away so i could do stuff that I probably shouldn't have been doing. So for some people, I'm going to tell you, this is, okay, go back one, Melissa, would you forgive me? Go back a slide, the first, there we go. So the first third I want to talk about this, you're doing awesome, thank you. The first part is there are things that hinder us and entangle us. That's what the author of Apollos is saying. These things hinder us, but then there are also things that help us run free. They're the same thing. So the first one is witnesses. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard when there's just too many eyes on us because there's too many people who can bear witness to the things that we might not do right. There might be just too many people keeping tabs on us. I don't know if I want all those people to see that, and so I want to hide, or I don't want people to know. Or you have people that say, I'm keeping that secret, or nobody's, nobody needs to know. As if we can hide any of that from God, to be honest, which is crazy, but we think it. We think we can. And so the first thing is, I don't know that a cloud of witnesses is a good thing. I think that kind of stinks, because there's a bunch of witnesses who can see the stuff I've done, the stuff that I am doing, and they can point their finger at me. And you know who that is? He has a name in the Bible. It's actually a title. Satan, the word Satan in Hebrew means the accuser. And so there is one who loves to bear witness against us. And so for many people, saying that there's a great cloud of witnesses around us in our Christian life is not necessarily a happy thought. 
there's way too many people who can see the things I'm doing wrong. And you know this to be the case. It takes seven compliments to overcome an insult. So every time they see something wrong, man, I'm just going to have to work seven times harder to get that right. And so for some people, witnesses is not a good thing. The second one is uh, dead weight. Uh, we've talked about this before. The sin that, in, that hinders us and easily entangles us, right? I mean, interpret that how you want. Your past, your history, the things that we have done, the things that we haven't done, habits that we have, things that get in the way of who we are and what we want it to be. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, when I was playing sports in high school, we had a coach who used to make us wear these huge weights around our ankles. That was a thing back when I was growing up, I think. And then we had this kind of water suit that we wore. I was, I was running track. Other guys, wrestlers, it was worse for them. They had more stuff they had to do. And, and I remember the coach saying, boy, when you take all that stuff, it'll feel like you're, you're free, you know? And to be, and you know, we're all going, yeah, right, and complaining. He was right. I mean, when those things came off, it was amazing. In fact, we almost felt so light and so we would fall because we had to get readjusted again to what it meant to have that dead weight off. So count it however you want to count it, but when, when the author of uh, Hebrews says this, he's being honest. Let us cast off the sin that hinders and entangles us. In other words, what's he saying? I know there's sin that hinders and entangles you. I'm not pretending like that ain't happening. It does hinder us. It does trip us up. So it's dead weight. It's weight that's doing nothing for us. It's just harming us. But the third one then is this one. So on this, <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed on this one. I, um, I think I told you this. I was down in Arizona. I was doing some work. It was 145 degrees or whatever. I'm, I'm going through two shirts. I get done with my job, my second shirt is just soaked. I run and jump into the pool with my phone in my pocket. Ugh. And so ever since then, so my SIM card got wet and it got weird and things got weird and the guy says, oh, it'll be no problem, just dry it out and put it in. And I've had two phones since then and I cannot get them to work right. Now this is how first world problem this is for me in that I can make phone calls. I was so mad yesterday. Was it yesterday? It was just yesterday. I'm trying to find an address. My phone will not give me the address. How can I find anything? If I can't put in the address, how in the world can I find my way? Anyway, isn't that hilarious? Like we all got lost before, before we had smartphones. Um, so I'm just mad. I'm mad because it won't load Facebook fast enough. I, I, anybody else relate? I don't know. Maybe I'm sick. I'm just sick. I don't know. Maybe you can relate to this. But isn't it interesting how immediate our society is right now? I mean, it's like right now we've become so accustomed to if I speak this thing into the, into the phone or if I do this thing, it should just appear magically before me right now. And if it doesn't, I'm ditching that stupid phone. I'm buying me a new one, which I've done twice now. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I mean, it's so stupid. Because when I put it in perspective, I just go, you know, I could put this phone down and actually find the address myself. Um, but isn't that something that curses us at times? Seriously, it has to be right now. I mean, for instance, I mean, we're blessed. We're blessed to have coaches here and so forth. 
I, it, I cannot begin to imagine, I don't walk in the shoes of our guys that are coaches, especially at high levels, the amount of pressure it is to say, you've got to win today. And it's not fair. Because to develop and to mentor and to train, right? It's not fair. And yet that's the kind of culture we seem to live in. It's got to happen right now. Okay, those are the law pieces, right? Anybody relate to those? I don't know. If all those eyes are looking at me, they might not like what they see. I don't know about that dead weight. I got a lot of weight carrying around. And it just never happens fast enough for me. Now, but there's good news, and they're the same three points. Let's go to the next one. They're the same things which let us run free. You know, I've shown this video several times, so I just couldn't show it to you again. I probably should have, though, because my description of it doesn't do us justice. Some of you will remember, and I won't remember the Olympics it was. It was like 2000 or might have been something like that. And there was a British uh, track and field runner. Excellent. World class. Wasn't expected to win a gold medal. He was thinking he might be able to compete. If he got to the final round, good. Maybe could compete for a medal. Uh, Derek Redmond, I think, was his name. But he was in a, I think it was a relay or the 400, it was something like that. And, um, and some of you have seen this video, uh, this recording of it, because it's in the final, and the gun goes off, and boom, he goes. And man, he's really doing great. He's really competing. About a third of the way or a quarter of the way in, pops his hamstring. I mean, it's just done. And he is, and he's down on his knees, he's still in his lane, he's doing that. And he's just, he knows his race is over. He knows his Olympic career and hope is over. And he gets up and he begins just doing the hop and begins going around. And um, people see this, you know, and the whole stadium stands because they now begin. They've seen the, the conclusion and whoever won. And all of their attention diverts from the people who won the medals and diverts it back to this runner. And out of the stands comes his dad, and his dad <clears throat> comes out and, and, and runs the rest of the way. And as he's going, it's painful to watch almost, but you're kind of sobbing as you're watching this. Because, you know, all of those hours, the thousands of hours, and all of the investment, and all the hopes of his family, and I mean, it's are all tied up. It's gone. But he says, I'm going to run this race. I'm going to finish this race. And his father comes along, and they just run together, and people try to prevent his dad from coming down, and he just kind of almost like punches him, you know, or whatever. Or he shoves him to the side. He says, I'm, I'm running this race. I'm doing it with my son. And the whole stadium is on its feet cheering. Now, the first witnesses I talked to you about were law. What if you had witnesses cheering for you like that? Because you know what? It doesn't matter what position you end in the race. It matters who greets you at the end and who runs with you along the way. And that's the good news, because when, this, when the author of Hebrews is talking about the great cloud of witnesses, he's saying, how blessed are we to have such a great cloud of witnesses, someone who loves us, who runs out of the stand to run beside us. Millions upon millions, billions, if not trillions of people who have run the race before us, who knows what it's like to pull a hamstring, who knows what it's like to not finish first, but who knows exactly what it's like to finish and to race across the, off, across the finish line into the arms of a Savior, into the arms of your Savior who loves you. And He is the one who has borne witness for you. He is the one who has said, that one's mine. Hands off. 
That one's mine, and I'm taking them home. Now, will you put up with that cloud of witnesses? We need them. And it's why we need to do this. It's why we need to gather. I've told you this many times. You look around this room. There may not be many people you look at and say that I'd hang out. Boy, I'm sure hoping I can hang out with them. And yet we're family. And we, we go to the mat for one another. And when we appeal to help one another, we do it. Because it's the family of God. And because it's Jesus Christ who has united us. And the crowd of witnesses goes beyond us. And continues to cheer for us as we run our race. Second thing. Dead weight. Here's the good news. It's dead. Why are we so good at bringing to life those things which Jesus Christ has killed? He has destroyed sin and the devil. He has destroyed the power of the law which could accuse us and point its finger at us, and it's dead weight. Cast it off. Stop revisiting it. Stop bringing it back to life. Stop bending over and giving it mouth-to-mouth and CPR so that all that dead weight history can come back and torment you. Jesus Christ has crushed it, destroyed it, and it is dead weight. It has no power over us, none. And the third thing is this. It's not right now. Thank God. You know, Abraham and Sarah ran ahead of God because they were, they were impatient. If you don't know that story from the Old Testament, God had promised Abraham and Sarah to have kids, and they got into their 90s, and they got a little nervous. Understandable. So Sarah says, here's my servant girl. Make an heir. Have a baby, make an heir. And the result of running ahead of God led to 4,000 years of continuing strife between cousins. It's still happening today because they ran ahead of God. God did keep his promise to Abraham and to Sarah. God did keep his promise in his time. And out of that line of Abraham, all the world was blessed through Jesus Christ. Ultimately, a descendant of Abraham and Sarah. I wanted to run ahead of God a time in my life. I, got a, I had a call to be the pastor at a church in Tracy, California, Central California. Big school. They're ready to start a high school. You know, neat community. The weather is much better there than Portland. It was awesome. I would get a big raise in my salary. It was very cool. And we go down to visit, Teresa and I, and I say to her on the way back, I said, I think I want to go here. I think I'm going to say yes. And for the next two weeks, she stood and cried in front of the kitchen sink. Seriously. She cried in front of the sink. And I called him up and said, can't come. Because my wife has a spiritual gift of discernment, which your pastor does not have. I just get excited. Um, She has a gift of discernment. And I was ready to run ahead of God. And two weeks later... Gabe Flicker calls me and says, hey, we'd like you to consider being part of our process here at Grace. And this is home. And this is where God wanted me to be. I don't want to run ahead of God. Thank God when he stops us. Thank God when he puts patience, when he puts the brakes on us. And when he allows us to say, it's not right now. I want it to be right now. But God's time is always the right time. God teaching us patience and perseverance forces us to stop and listen to his voice and not just our own or the voices of those around us, the noise and the cacophony around us. It forces us in, our, in patience to stop and listen to him. 
so that we might follow where he is welcoming us across the finish line and bearing witness for you, child of God. Amen. Hey everyone, we have many exciting opportunities happening over the next couple weeks, so make sure to get out your calendars and mark them down. The first one is this coming Sunday, September 1st. We are having one worship service at 10 a.m. for Labor Day weekend with a potluck slash barbecue to follow. So be sure to uh, rearrange your schedule for that. You don't want to miss it. Also, um, on September 6th and 7th, we are having a spiritual discipline workshop on prayer given by Pastor Von Bush. You can register that for that online, and there are only a few spots left, so make sure to head over to our website really quickly. Also, Women's Retreat is coming up, and the deadline to register is mid-September, so make sure to head over to our website, glc.gracepocatello.org slash womensretreat to register your spot up at Camp Perkins today. And lastly, make sure to pick up your Red Letter Challenge book. We are hoping that everyone in the church has an opportunity to join a Red Letter Challenge small group. If you have any questions, feel free to contact the church office. Blessings on your week.